Welcome to the Happiness Podcast, brought to you by me, Mark Price, and my platform, Engaging Works, designed to help you be happier at work. Having been the boss of Waitrose for many years and working within the John Lewis Partnership, I became interested in the way that we work. How being happy at work can not only transform an individual's life, but how it can also transform an organisation. So my mission is to get the world a little bit happier at work. In doing so, I've created a happiness survey which measures and then compares to others how happy you are at work. It's free to take and you can find out about it at engaging.works. In the Happiness Podcast, I'll be speaking with people from all walks of life about how they work and their happiness at work. From people who have had career changes to entrepreneurs who have forged their own career paths. It's all about happiness and how we recognise this happiness at work and all get a little bit happier. I'm Ed Williams. I'm the, now the Managing Director at Candy Kittens, which sounds very, very serious. Um, but Jamie and I started the business together in 2012 and I now run the team and the business on a day-to-day basis. Mm. Uh, uh, Jamie Lang, um, I am a co-founder of Candy Kittens and uh, you may have seen me on the TV with shows like The Great British Celebrity Bake Off. Um, <laughs> no, you, did, you did Made in Chelsea. Oh, I don't do get away with that. I don't do that. Occasionally I do that show as well. Um, it's like your doppelganger. That's my doppelganger. <laughs> I actually, there's someone else who looks exactly like me with the same name who just runs around <laughs> acting like a fool and I don't know why. Um, I've said I've been running Kennigans for since 2012, and we've just changed a whole range to vegan, and we're very excited about it. Brilliant. Um, Jamie and I got introduced to each other through a mutual friend. Jamie had this idea to start a company called Candy Kittens, and and uh, a friend told me about it and said we should have a chat, and started talking about my ideas with brand. I was always interested in design and marketing and branding, and yeah, it was we kind of met and and hit it off. And where did you get the idea for Candy Kittens from? Well, it's interesting because when I was at university and I was at least studying theatre and performance and I really did not enjoy it that much. And I was, um, I was doing contemporary dance. I don't know why I was doing it. And I was never good at being told what to do, but I always had sort of ideas and visions and aspirations and incredibly ambitious. And I, used to, I went to New York with my dad and I came across a place called Dylan's Candy Bar, which was this huge sweet, sweet shop owned by Ralph Lauren's daughter, Dylan Loren. And I walked in there, and people were buying $300, $400, $500 of sweets at the till. I thought, this can't be right. People really were they like... big people? No, they weren't. I just think that this, they were buying these sweets. I mean, like, it was like, it's pick a, you know, the biggest store in the world. Think the Harrods are pick a mix stores. And weirdly enough, I always had an obsession with sweets. As a kid, um, I used to sleep in a bro- room with my brother, and I was scared of the dark. And the way I would fall asleep is my brother would tell me the story of Jamie and Sweet World. That combined with the Willy Wonka being one of my heroes, it was kind of a sort of inevitable kind of direction that I went in. Um, and Ed and I met, as he said, and what was so interesting about Ed and I is that, uh, you know, you always talk about when, if you have a co-founder, the, the most important thing in the world is to have someone who is kind of your yin to your yang. The person who is, you know, covers all of your losses while you do the same to them. And Ed and I, in some sort of ways, in fact, Ed... He does, he has everything better than me, but <laughs> um, all the things that including I including dancing, yeah, yeah including yeah, everything, yeah, everything, including <laughs> dancing, everything. Um, but it was very, I was very lucky, and, and I suppose that the other way I was quite lucky to meet me because we met when we were 21, 22 years old, and I had this idea and a platform to launch it on, and um, it kind of just worked out quite well. Um, but then again, you know, Ed and I were 22 years old; we had no idea what we were doing. You know, we were setting up a sweet <coughs> company. 
Ed always says, try and Google how to make sweets. Nothing comes up. I mean, you just we just had to literally figure out on our feet. But also, that was... Or read Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> My three heroes in life, Willy Wonka, Peter Pan, and Hugh Hefner. And I try to combine that into business in a weird kind of way. Um, which Ed kind of crushed pretty quickly from the beginning. But, um, but I think what it was, you know, it was our, our sort of lack of experience was our biggest weapon in the end. Because what we didn't understand, actually came into our advantage because we made packaging that no one else had done. Mm. And we made flavours that no one else was doing. Mm. And we made bags which were costing £2.49, then people people buying sweets for £1.20. And all of these things that we just didn't know what we were doing actually played into our advantage. We created a category in Gummy Candy, which is a gourmet confectionery candy. That is now a category due to Candy Kittens. Mm. But it was, you know, if we're completely honest, it was a mistake at the time because we didn't know what we were doing. And what, and what about mentors? Did you have a mentor? Would you have liked to have had a mentor? Yeah, we have, definitely. I mean, we're very, very lucky that Jamie's um, stepdad sort of stepped in very early on to kind of offer us some advice. And, and Jonathan is um, obviously much older than us. He has um, years and years and years of experience, I think 40-odd years of experience in business. And probably at the beginning just got involved because the business was starting to run away with itself and he thought, what the hell are these boys doing? I need to kind of sort them out. Um, and we would meet Jonathan every Monday evening and he would literally kind of grill us and you'd come out sort of in pieces every Monday evening thinking, why are we doing this? But that was invaluable, and now Jonathan's the chairman of the company and chairs our board, um, and it's worked out to be, you know, he, he has worked out to be our biggest mentor, I'd say, personally and for the business. And I think for, for people uh, listening to this who are thinking of starting their own businesses and have the kind of aspiration that you've delivered, they'll be thinking, what about the money? How do I get the money to start doing this? Yeah. Well, I think that's the biggest thing that we're asked the entire time. And I think uh, sort of biggest preconception that uh, whenever we sort of give these talks or chat to people or whatever it is, is that everyone thinks that I'm at the McVitie's fortune and I have 400 trillion pounds and it was just easy for me. We weren't given any money at the beginning. You know, we would have told our parents that we wanted to um, set up a, uh, we wanted to set up a sweet company. And, um, you know, our parents were like, there's just no way. Uh, our parents are like, no way, you know, it's a sweet company, you know, Ed's parents were obviously thinking it's a guy from the TV that you're setting up a sweets company with, not going to give you any money. My parents are like, no, they're not going to give any money. So we kind of had to figure it out along the way. And what happened was, is that we kind of played a bit by bit. So we scraped together the money that we had, which I think was about £3,000. Mm-hmm. We had that in the business. We then were launching via social media and we were selling t-shirts online very slowly and we would sell the t-shirts and then we would offset that to like the, the factories and it was all these different things we were building up slowly and slowly until what happened was is that we had one injection of cash which was from <coughs> uh, this was about a year into business six months to a year in the business when actually we started sort of generating some revenue and we had an input of about 50 to 100 thousand um but what we figured out very quickly is that uh, 50 thousand went like the sand and the wind, it just disappeared within a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And what we had to come to realize that whenever you're running a business, money is oxygen. And we did not know that, and that's we had to learn it pretty much the hard way. Did you lose sleep in those early days, or did you eat more? Or? <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I remember leaving one of our Monday <coughs> meetings with my stepdad, and we, he basically said, Look, if you're not gonna you know, start getting your margins right, and this and that, and stop doing this, and all get the numbers right you're not going to have a business anymore. And this was about a year and a half in. And 
uh, you know, and I walked out with Ed, and we were walking down past Green Park in London, past the Ritz, um, and I turned to Ed and said, God, please don't leave me. And Ed said, don't worry, if I have to sell sweets in my bedroom, I will. And it was that commitment that you do. But we've had, you know, huge amount of trouble times. And I think that also, you know, if there are people out there who are listening, who are thinking of selling a product to retailers and, and, and supermarkets, whatever it is, my understanding at the very beginning, Mark, you know this better than anyone, the understanding that you go into is that you're going to sell a pack of sweets to Waitrose or Sainsbury's or whoever it is, and they're going to buy it, and you're going to get the money back, and bish, bam, bosh, and that's it. But you don't understand that you then have to pay for promotion store, and you have to shelf space, and you have all these other things underneath it that you just have no idea about. And it's not as easy as just selling a product to a supermarket or to a retailer. Mm. It's so much more than that. And that's the really sort of tricky time that Ed especially had to learn. I think that's the, what Jamie mentioned earlier, our kind of naivety and not knowing was our biggest strength. And I think that was exactly that. In the early days, we asked some pretty stupid questions to the, to the what likes of Waitrose. And looking back, what was the most stupid? <laughs> oh, okay. Can't even think. I mean, things that we did. Well, that I, we were, we I were still don't talk products. anymore because I'll probably say something <laughs> <to you laughs> we, we were doing things where we would pitch a product that didn't even exist. Yeah. And we had no idea how we were going to make it or where it would be made or what it would, you know, how much it would cost. And we'd agree to sell something for a price and then we'd go and work it out later. Um, and I think that the new, more sophisticated sales team are still unraveling some of those problems think, that we created. Okay. Well, um, uniquely for the Happiness Podcast... You are both going to take independently the Engaging Works Workplace Happiness Survey. So, uh, first question, do you feel appropriately rewarded for your work? What have you put? I'm going to go for 10. 10. I get rewarded in different ways. You know, my, my whole sort of ethos in life, you, you talk about success, how you define success, right? And as a kid, if you told me how would I define success, I'd say, oh, I'm going to have a fast car and have lots of money. And as you get older, you realise actually that's not true at all. What, what success is, is purpose, a passion, um, relationships, you know, building something that you, you feel is going to be great, you know, what actually you stand for as a person. You know, Ed says a very good quote, which Jeff Bezos said is, uh, your brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. And I think that's so important. Um, so for me, do I feel rewarded for my work? Yes, I do. I think I do at the moment. So I'm okay. going to give it a 10. You're a 10? What are you going yeah, to I think I'm a 10. Because I think that the, the nice thing is that Jamie and I are totally in control of the success or failures of the business. So if we're in control of ourselves. If we're doing well, then we should be rewarding ourselves well as well. But we're okay. probably not paid as much as we'd like to be. So next question. Do you feel recognised when you do something well? I think actually I'm going to put, I'm going to put a five purely because I, don't, I think one thing we're really bad at is recognising our achievements generally. Particularly me, I'm always, always thinking better is possible and on to the next thing. And immediately after we've done one great thing, you know, we've won a new listing at Waitrose, fantastic. What, what about that next one we wanted that we haven't got yet? Mm. Um, so yeah, probably not stopping to celebrate the successes. I can go with you. Okay. And you go down. And, and, how does, and how does that relate to your team? Do you think your team feel recognised when they do something well? And they all hate us. <laughs> <laughs> For that reason. No, I, I hope they do. I hope they do. And we, we are trying to get better at that because I think that stopping and congratulating people is really important. So something we're working hard on and, and hopefully they all feel like we do give them a pat on the back when they deserve it. Yeah. Do you know that research we did said that on average people are thanked for doing something well once every four and a half months. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I could yeah, completely agree surprised. that. Because what happens is, is as, a, um, as a managing director or as your employee or whatever <coughs> it is, um, you are 
expected to do a job. So if you do something well, it's just expected and people forget to congratulate. And it goes so far, congratulating mm. people for their work and mm. people definitely forget it because mm. we're focused about, we're focusing on the, the destination rather than the present moment. So question number three, do you have enough information to do your job well? Um, yes, I feel like I've, I've got enough information. I'd always like to know more. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'm going to go for a seven on this because we would like at the moment to put our hands on some data that's very expensive. Okay. Jamie? I'd go seven. Because I hear, so I'm eating a sweet as we do by accident. Um, I'm going to go for a seven because all the information that I learn is through Ed. So I'm going <laughs> right. to copy exactly what he says. <laughs> so, uh, number four. Do you feel information is uh, openly uh, shared with you at work? Yes. Uh, we share everything. We've actually got a big uh, screen, big TV screen on our wall in the office with a dashboard that shows all the live results and exactly uh, where we are tracking against budget and all of these different things. So yeah, I think we're very open and I, I guess the biggest thing to be tr usually hidden from the team is uh, the numbers and that's super transparent here. So yeah, I think so. And, and, and why would you do that? Well, I think it's key. We actually had a conversation today with someone about honesty in the workplace. I think honesty is, is a big thing in the workplace. And I think that um, you're all driving towards the same goal, so why not be honest about what you're trying to achieve? Next question. Do you feel empowered to make decisions? I do. I think that we, we're very good at Candy Kittens at taking everybody's opinion on board. And you know whether you're interning here for a couple of months or you've been here for five years then everybody's opinion is counted in the same way um, and I think that that allows us to to go on and make decisions and, and do things off our own back and everybody in their different individual teams runs their own budgets and all that kind of stuff so yeah for me I feel very empowered and and know that I can as Jamie said earlier if I say something is is the decision I've made then no questions are asked and I go on and do it. How about you? Yeah, I think it does. I think, uh, yeah, with, with me for sure. But I think that comes with respect and, um, you know, uh, and having a vision of where you want to go, you know. And I think I definitely feel that I'm able to make decisions and, and have a role in that play. Because, you know, when you build a company from the beginning, you know, it's, it's your baby. It's your dream. You're so protective over it. So the last thing you want to do is kind of not be able to make decisions and things like that. And I think with Candy Kittens, we're very good at listening to one another about what we want to achieve. I think, again, that's really important. And can you think of a, of a time when you haven't felt as though you could do what you wanted to do, that you had to follow somebody else's instruction? Yeah, there's been a well, one-time sticks. That was when I wanted to make a gummy sweet covered in chocolate. Then that was taken away from me. Um, but the other time, down to cash. You know, as Ed says, I have ideas and aspirations that I want to achieve, but at the end of the day, if you can't afford it and it doesn't work for your margin, you can't do it. And so I had to kind of come back down to reality a few times and realising what you can actually do, because at the end of the day, if you can't pay for it, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, next question. Do you feel trusted to make decisions? Yeah, absolutely. Same answer as the last time, I think. Me. Actually, do you know what? Probably not. I'll go for an eight on that one. Have you gone for a ten on the other I've one? I've gone for a ten, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go for an eight because there are sometimes, again, but it's down to my kind of, I suppose, you know, slight ability to jump from one thing to the other and not quite sent. And perhaps that's from my school days where I was all over the place and I was, you know, I had to be harnessed in certain ways, not physically, but metaphorically. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I'll go for an eight on that one, just because you know some of my decision making probably isn't. And what, right. and what about what about your team? I mean, do you, do you feel they're trusted to make decisions? Do you trust them to make decisions? Yeah, I like to think so. I think the trust is definitely that two way street, um, and I feel that trust is something that you earn. So I hope that you know, as, as Jamie said, he, I have earned his trust in in now being able to make good decisions, I hope, and I, I hope that I've earned the trust of the board and the shareholders and everybody involved in Candy Kitten. So, yeah, I think that on the whole, the team would feel quite trusted. I hope so. They, they, they make a lot of their own decisions, so they're, whether they feel trusted or not, they, don't, they apparently don't care. They just go... <laughs> and I think the, the, the best entrepreneurs always hire people better than them, um, and that's really important. So you, you're hiring people better than them to make the decisions for you, right? And so, yeah, I think 100%. The it's an interesting word. We were recently, over the last sort of 18 months, we've hired a couple of more senior people into the team. Um, and up until then, we've really not hired anybody with previous experience. We've just hired people that seemed like nice people to fit the roles Stop we had on the offer. street. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> we then started to bring in kind of, you know, some, some proper, proper experience and yeah, head of sales and was the first person we brought in. And the word that came up all the time in interviews for that was, I want more autonomy. And I actually didn't really understand what the, the word properly meant in that context. And they had to go back and look at it and, and realised for the first time that people don't have autonomy in, in a role. And that was something unique that we we're able to give. And I think that's become more and more important. People now have complete autonomy. Mm. Um, it's a big thing that comes up from all of our staff and reviews that, you know, they can't believe how much stuff they get to do on their own here. So yeah, I guess that trust is there. Good. And then the next question is, um, do you have the resource uh, you need to do your job well? Mm. And what do you think, Ed? Tough one for us. I guess as a small sort of uh, startup scale-up business, where we'd always like to have more resources. But we've also always built Candy Kittens with a sort of three to five year view into the future. So we have a team in the, sat in the office now that are, are there to not really deal with today's problem, but the, the problem three years down the track. Um, so yeah, I think we've probably got enough resources. Um, there's a few little bits we could probably do with more of, I'd say about eight. Yeah, I think so. Like Ed said, I think it's, you know, again, a lot of your resources uh, come from, you know, cash and the bank and you know whether that's you want to do more marketing or you want to uh, spend more in stores or whatever it is and so you know you, you could probably always do more so I think it's yeah I'm gonna go for a seven on that one do you feel that your views are heard at work yeah I think so I think um, I guess in my role I've just got to be careful to do that the other way around and make sure that I'm listening to everybody else's views and I'm not you know, speaking too much myself. So yeah, I, I think, um, I feel like I am, and I feel that's sort of about a, a nine for me. Okay. Yeah, I, I, same as me, I feel they're definitely hurt, and I'm probably hurt too much sometimes. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna go for a 10 on that one, for sure. Okay. And, and you were saying, Ed, that you feel it's important to listen in the reverse. So mm. do you feel the two of you are good listeners to the team and what they need and how they're feeling. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think Jamie and I recognise our own shortcomings and that kind of self-awareness for me is probably one of the most important traits in any kind of leader. So, yeah, definitely. And knowing where we're, we're as Jamie said, hiring people that are better than us, what would be the point of hiring a head of sales and then telling them how to run the sales team? 
um, there is just no future in that. So yeah, and that's so key that that word self awareness is the most self awareness is power. Um, and when you're when you are self aware, it does it makes you the best leader. And you can't be a great leader or or, or a great. I don't think you can be a great entrepreneur without having self awareness because you need to know what your your positives are and your negatives are, and that only comes with self awareness. Uh, do you feel the organisation cares for your well-being? Uh, we probably don't really, if I'm honest. I think I like to think that we, we do, and if anybody's got a problem, we're there to help. But we're not. We haven't got any formal structures in place to deal with that kind of thing. So I'd probably put a seven, just out of being nice people. The company cares for me, but there's nothing in place that you know we haven't got a, the luxuries of a HR department or anything like that that might be able to help. So for me, it's probably a seven. Yeah, I'm probably going to go less than that because I think that that is probably an area, like I said, that we don't focus on. And interesting enough, again, I know I go back to we spoke to someone today who, um, you know, we talked about healthcare and uh, all, if you look at all the apps or all the kind of uh, sort of booming ones in tech, it was all about getting a car on demand, whether it's Uber or getting food on demand, which is like delivery or whatever it is. But healthcare was the last one to be on demand. And that's because, for some reason, the last thing we're caring about is our health. Because mm. why are we thinking about it? We think we're all going to be okay. Mm. And in fact, when it then suddenly hits you, you're like, oh, God, I'm not okay. Mm. Whether that's your being, whatever you're feeling. Uh, so I'm going to probably go for a five in that one. And, and on, on that, is there a sort of sense that you have in driving to get there and doing all that you've achieved and the, tr uh, the strains over money and whatever, that there just isn't the chance to stop and think about the well-being of your team and how everybody is and making sure that they're on board? I mean, is that the sense that in the early days of setting something up, it's just frenetic? Yeah, I think it probably was true for us in the, in the very early days. I think now we're, we're starting to, as we've got more people and uh, more structure, those things you start to reflect on a little bit more. Um, so yeah, I like to think right now we, we do put an element of thought into how people are feeling and, and how people are coping and you know, we do a lot more reviews and that type of thing to see if people are on track, but it could probably be better. Okay, so next question. Do you rarely feel depressed or anxious at work? So 10 means I rarely feel it. Yep. Depends you rarely feel it? Uh, I say, yeah, I sound fairly good at splitting my sort of home life and work life and all that kind of stuff and not getting too stressed out about certain situations. So I'd say, I'll change my, I'm actually going to put that to an 8. Because I do feel... Sometimes anxious. You do? Yeah. You can tell me, man, that's right. <laughs> uh, I work in television, so I'm constantly depressed and anxious. Um, never getting jobs. It's depressing. Um, I think that I think that mental health, um, I think we're gonna have a real scare as a as a country and as a community about how horrendous mental health is gonna get. I think it's a lava going through cities and villages and towns around the country because of the pressures of life and the lack of security that we have and all these different things and um, I think it's going to be a huge issue um, but uh, I think everyone has their own situations going on you know and it's just about managing them so I suppose are you able to manage them yeah I think I am so I'd probably go with a eight and how do you manage stress what do you do when you're feeling... Uh, I think it's routine. Anxious. I think it's routine. Um, I think that your, your day is separated into three stages. You have your morning, you have your day, and then you have your evening. And I think in the morning, if you, 
if you, I always talk about saying make your bed in the morning, and that's what you should always do because your bed is that, you know, if you start making your bed in the morning, it sets your day up well, and it's so true. So I started doing that, and before I go to work, I go to the gym. And having that kind of, you know, as kids, we were running around all day long playing football, and then suddenly we get to 24 years old and we stop that. Because, you know, that's a shock to our system. So I think for me to manage stress and that kind of side of things, um, and because I'm a very kind of, you know, sort of highly strong person, it's about having a bit of a routine and going and working out and exercising. And then in the evening, you know, seeing friends or whatever it is, you know, I think being in a community is key. And friends are like gardens, you have to water them to make them grow. So you have to... You have to have that going on. And do you recognise in each other when you're feeling stressed? You cover it up well, Ed. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, maybe I cover it up. I don't know, I think that we can both know that the sort of the types of situations and, and topics that probably put us under stress. Um, and I think we're quite good at dealing with things as soon as they happen. I, I think for me, the, the biggest coping mechanism is dealing with whatever the, the source of the stress might be. So rather than, you know, if we've got an issue with a cash flow, for example, we'll call an instant meeting and talk about it there and then and, and come up with a solution and probably not leave the room until we've got one. You know, you kind of attack that, that source of stress and hopefully cancel it out. Okay. So uh, next question. Do you feel you do something worthwhile? Yeah, for me, definitely. I mean, I think that we started out with kind of a a mission, if you like, to challenge all of the big boys in the confectionery space and bring something new and exciting to customers. And it's very rewarding to see that grow and develop and, you know, start to steal space off some of those big boys and see the reaction from the customers. So yeah, for me, definitely. And, and more than that, I guess, seeing the team grow as well. So for, for the product, it could be, that's nice. And I think that that is worthwhile in its own way. But actually, that could be anything that we were selling. It could be the most boring product in the world. And we're still building a great team and giving people a nice place to work and, and making that meaningful. So, yeah, for me, definitely it's uh, a 10. Yeah, Ed, Ed loves it when we knock people off their shelf space. He actually <laughs>, laughs at them. He <laughs>, goes and laughs at them through their window. Um, uh, yeah, I think, but I think it goes down to this is what you have to do in life. You know, I got, we got told this quote, Ed and I, ages ago, business is paid in two currencies, cash and experience. Take the experience first because the cash will come later. Don't do something because you want to be rich, do it because you love it. Uh, if you want to be rich, go and work in a bank. Go and work for something. Don't go and build something yourself. And, um, you know, Ed and I are very passionate about what we do, and that's what gets us up every day, because we actually love what we do. And I think, you know, this isn't a dress rehearsal. Great. Okay. Uh, I put a 10 on that. Mm, okay. Do you feel proud to work for your organisation? <laughs> yes, I have it tattooed on my, my hip. Um, I, when I joined... What do you have tattooed on your hip? The Candy Kitten logo. When I joined Made in Chelsea, they asked me if I wanted to do a scene where I got a tattoo. And um, it was just when we were trying to launch the brand, and I thought, guess three million viewers. If I'm going to get a tattoo, I'll tattoo my logo on my hip. And they went, okay. So I tattooed the logo on my hip. Then we've changed the logo, so it looks nothing like <laughs> the original one, which is fine. But yeah, incredibly proud about what we do and what we create. And again, it goes back to your purpose, you know. Are, are you proud of what you're doing? And, and the key, you know, if we were given a wish by a genie, right, everyone would wish for happiness. And I think having a purpose and being proud of what you're doing generates that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm proud of Candy Kittens and everything we're achieving. 
How likely are you to recommend your friends and families to work at your organisation? <laughs> my mum came and worked for me, and I had my stepdad. My mum quit, though. <laughs> 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 what about you? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's... I really think it's important to separate... You know, Ed and I are very lucky that we're, we're friends, and we can work together, but, you know, we're co-founders, and it's quite easy. I think that having family and friends work for you can be a tricky scenario, I think. Yeah, I was going to say that actually that's probably, I probably disagree with that one. It's probably a zero for me, purely because I think that it's, I'd recommend them to work here if I didn't work here, but I don't so, want them working here with yeah. me. So, so thinking about it perhaps then in the context of um, uh, your team, Yeah. if you were thinking about it as a team member, would you think it's this, this is such a great business? I'd recommend it to my friends. Yeah, I hope so. And I think that we actually do have a few people that have, have, you know, introduced friends and former colleagues and that kind of thing that have now become part of the team. So, so yeah, for me, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. I think that that would probably be a a sort of six. Okay. I'll go for a six as well. Okay. I'm in there. Do you feel that you are treated with respect? Um, Yeah, I think it's important. I think that you need to be treated with respect. And I think... um, you know, we're all humans, it doesn't matter. Do you know the Japanese, that's why the Japanese are amazing, because it doesn't matter what you do in Japanese culture, it doesn't matter if you are a sweet maker, a movie star, a, a, a bin man, a baker, whatever it is, you all are, treat your job and treat each other with the most utmost respect. And I love that, about that um, kind of mentality. And so I think it's very important. Be nice to everyone on the way up, because you never know who you meet on the way down. And I've lived by that forever. So I would... I feel respected, and I would like other people to feel that I respect them. Yeah, nothing to add to that. Totally agree. Okay. Do you enjoy your job? Yeah, I love my job. Yeah, I think it's it's brilliant. We get to do what I make all the decisions, so I get to do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got lots of jobs. Yeah, I've got lots of. So how how would you rank your enjoyment of the different ones? Candy Kickens, well, it's, it's, TV. You know, I'm very lucky. I have you know, Candy Kickens is my life and my love, and it's my baby, and. Uh, if I had to make an ultimate decision, I would stop everything to be a part, to do it. Um, but I'm very lucky that I have Ed, who is managing director, and it gives me that freedom to go and do other things, like TV and things like that. And I wouldn't be able to be me without doing that. I, you know, focusing on one thing, I was never good at school, I was never good at it. Uh, you know, in life, I was never good at it. Relationships, I was never good at it. Um, so I've always been that person to kind of go all over the place. Um, but I do, with that comes a curse, and the curse is, is that you sometimes spread yourself too thin, and you sometimes, I commit to things that I don't always, shouldn't do, and, and sometimes don't enjoy doing. So I will go for a s- eight. Okay. So, do you feel you have a good relationship with your line manager? Now, I suppose you could say your line manager is your chairman, or yeah. you could say your line manager is each other. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of both, actually. And I think that we do have an element of kind of accountability and responsibility to each other and our chairman, definitely. We're all pretty much on the same page. We very, very rarely disagree. I can think of a small handful of, of moments in the last six, seven years where with either Jamie or Jonathan as chairman, we've had kind of crosswords. So, yeah, I think we've got good relationships. Again, it goes back to that thing. It's, it's like a relationship in life. You have to have a good relationship with anyone to make something work. And do you? Yeah, I, I do. Okay, sorry, I went, I went 10. Ed is on my speed dial. Do you feel, uh, do you feel you're being developed? 
This is an interesting one because um, I think that what do you know what is so lucky about being in a startup is that you just you are developed because you're you're growing with the business and you're learning more things. And I think uh, being developed is actually up to the individual. You know, you can sit there and choose not to develop because you don't want to. You know. I was terrible at discipline and never did any had any discipline and then when I turned about 25 I had to learn discipline and I chose to learn that and that's developing so as an individual you have to be willing to want to develop I think so I definitely now feel that I am being developed because I want to learn and I want to develop yeah I agree and I think that you know Jamie and I are unrecognisable now (laughs) <laughs> from where we were six years ago in terms of our knowledge and the way we approach things and talk and work on a daily basis. So yeah, I mean, we're learning so, so much every day and that's the beauty of doing this. You either, you know, sink or swim. And how do you think about career development for your team? Do you, do you think about how they're developed and they grow here? Yeah, we do. It's actually one of the biggest challenges, I think, because we've got a, a relatively small team and a super hard-working, ambitious team where people are probably doing three or four times the amount of work in a, in a year that they would do any other normal business. Um, so that means they develop much quicker. So actually trying to make sure that we've always got the next job for them and the next role can be quite difficult because we only have so many jobs to give. But yeah, we, we have a lot of conversations with them about where they want to go and how we can help them get there. And hopefully if it's that, that can be within Candy Kittens, but if not, then we can hopefully help them within our network to move on to the next step and do something elsewhere as well. We want to make people the best people they can be, not just for ourselves, but for them. Yeah, and it's fascinating because every single person that you speak to or you hire or you chat to, everyone says, you say, what do you want to be in five years? It's, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur. And that's kind of this new kind of thing that's come about. No one really used to say that. You sort of fantasised about it. But now that sort of word entrepreneur has now become a real thing. It's almost what you put when you land in America and it asks you what your occupation is. I actually put sometimes entrepreneur because I don't know what else to put. Can't put reality star. That would be awful. <laughs> so, um, so I think that you know, people are ambitious and they want to develop and things like that. Okay. Do you feel happy at work? Uh, yeah, I love it. We have a a sort of a review system that we go through with every employee and one of the questions says what is the most enjoyable thing about working at Candy Kittens and all of them say how much fun they have how much they love the office how much they love the team and how how it makes them feel happy and I think for me that that's the best thing you know that's the most rewarding part of it all. Yeah I I mean I feel incredibly happy at work but I think um, again happiness is a sort of state of mind right you can it's about sort of choosing yourself to put yourself in that headspace and it's very easy to turn negative because of what's going on and things like that so I feel incredibly happy because I feel incredibly lucky about what we are doing and achieving and that's what makes me happy. And you said that um, it was important to you that the team were happy. Yeah. So how do you think about making the team happy? What do we do? I, I think there's a number of things that you know we've got from the smallest details about you know having fruit available in the, in the office and those kind of things and a nice environment for us all to work in through to making sure that we can all communicate well as I said earlier the transparency making sure everybody's aware of the challenges and, and the, the sort of uh, good and bad of the problems we face and then we do various kind of away days and team things we have a, quite a social office where people are, are organized socials but also kind of ad hoc drinks at the pub on a Friday or whatever it might be so yeah people Generally, kind of bringing everyone together, I think, is, is important. A family atmosphere is what we're trying to create. Okay. So, now uh, there's a question, number 19. 
that asks you to <coughs> list the three changes that you would like to make which would improve your happiness at work? My first one, the biggest one, I would probably put this one, is just congratulating people on their, their improvement, their developing, their, their success in the workplace. I just think that, for me, is the biggest one. Okay. I think congratulating. Uh, for me, which is quite a shallow one to begin with, is the office environment. So I'm a real bit of OCD, hate clutter, hate mess. We're always outgrowing our space and we haven't got enough room to put things in boxes everywhere. And yeah, so a nice, super clean, sexy, cool, we work type place and would be it's nice. It's Jamie messy. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm yeah. not messy. <laughs> <laughs> I used okay. to be messy. Yeah. But I think as well, office space I think is key. I think having an area where you can have a ping pong table or you can have a bar or whatever it is, I think, you know. You know, you go home to your flat and you want to make it the coolest place, but like I said, you spend more time in your office, so why not make it the best place possible? So office space for me is key. It's two. Okay, you're number two. Um, I think, yeah, I think similar to Jamie's breakout time, but not just sort of finding half an hour to go and play table tennis, but spending a day in a new environment. This week we went with our marketing team down to an amazing office called This Workspace in Bournemouth and spent two days with them there talking about strategy. And the way that the ideas flow and conversation get sparked just by being in a cool space rather than sat at the same old desk I think is interesting so yeah just getting out of the office and not just always working in one place Number yeah three. and my, my last one is probably um, listening I think and god listening is so key and probably listen to one another um, and especially to their ideas and so that they're feeling valued I think the being and feeling valued is really important so listening to each other um, yeah I think happy team really that I think if you all all enjoy being here and all have a good time, then for me, that makes my job much easier because I haven't got to deal with any kind of dramas or unhappy people that might be in the mix. It's just we all get along and I can focus on the making candy kittens the best it can be. Okay. Now, what the Engaging Work survey does is it gives you a score for how happy you are at work. But the other thing it does is it gives you your score to compare to people who look like you. Okay. And it compares your score to the world that. as well. So what we have now is a series of questions what is which just work out for people like you. Should I check it? Okay, what is your yeah, gender? Yeah, so you just click your gender. What is your it's age? Male. God, I'm in that X factor age where I'm the over 30, well, I'm 30. What is it, the over 28s? So which of these jobs uh, uh, reflects you best? CEO or should I go for other? Go for CEO chairman. Let's go for CEO chairman. As a founder. Which industry are you in? We work in uh, consumer goods. Which country do you live in? Yeah. So we, we get results for this not only by uh, all those filters, but we know the happiest levels of people around the world. What is the, in their jobs. What's the happiest country in the world? Sweden. Austria. It is. No, Austria. Austria. Austria's number one. Sweden. All the Scandinavians are above us. And now we press the button. Finish. This is exciting. And within seconds, you're going to get your results. And what I'm going to ask you to do is to read out the, uh, the score that you get and it will give you the global score, and then it will give you your industry score, so you'll see if you're happier or not. Here we go, the happiness rating, 863 out of 1,000. Ooh, and, I'm happier. And what did you get? 888. Yeah, but you, you also lie a lot. So yeah, yeah, and, and what's the global score? So today global happiness is? 654. So you're much happier than the average. And what's, nice what's your industry and, and job level? And 686. 686, yeah. But my, I feel like that's quite low. That's high. 
Is you're that, well above the average. No, you're but 654, I feel like, is low. Well, yeah. at, at the moment, 37% of people say that they feel depressed and anxious going into work every day. 37%? Wow. If we go down one more, you get your well-being index. And what that shows you is how your well-being compares uh, globally. So, uh, Ed, you're well above the average. We're thriving. And you're above the average as well, Jamie. Okay. If people take this test and they score below global, or they yeah. score poorly for their industry, uh, they can click and go and take um, uh, a mental well-being test, and then they can get specific advice on doing that. If we go down to my enthusiast, uh, uh, enthusiastic remainer, I'm not even on the chart. <laughs> no, I'm actually, you're in the top I'm, corner. I'm just creeping off already <laughs> off the top. And then if you should want to, when you have the time, if you sign in, what it will do is it will show you those comparisons on every question. It will show you them globally. And Great again, it will care. offer you <coughs> advice. And this is all free of charge. Wow, I love this. What a great little website. And what happens is on those areas, if you need help, if you need career development, we can help you with uh, tests, EQ tests, career tests to see if you're in the right job. If you go to our global hub, you can ask for advice from experts, you can read articles, you can go to our business library and find things which are of interest for you. So if you're an entrepreneur setting up your business, yeah. you could go and talk to other entrepreneurs or you could read articles about how entrepreneurs have set up confectionery businesses or you could listen to this podcast. I would listen to, if I'm listening to this right now, go and buy a pack of Canikin Sweets, keep listening to this, go and get your computer, go onto engaging.works, and create your free account now. <laughs> and, and, check, and check how happy you are at work. And if you're not, we'll help you improve. And if you uh, were to nominate one person to take the workplace happiness test, mm. who would you nominate? My little sister. Because she's an actor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she's not struggling. So that's why I'd so make her see it in written form. Okay. Um, I've got quite a lot of friends from school that are now working in the city and earning heaps of cash. And I wonder actually how happy they are. So I'd be asking all of them to go and do this, see if the money's making them happy. Great. So, um, uh, which song makes you feel happiest? My song that makes me yeah, super nice. happy is Hanson Umba. Kanye West, stronger. Do it makes us honor, better, faster, stronger. Net, 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 that don't kill me. Can only make us stronger. I need you to hurry up now, cause I can't wait much longer. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for doing the, uh, the test. Uh, and uh, I'm delighted that you're both so happy uh, setting up and running Candy Kittens. Thank you for listening. And again, if you want to take control of your workplace happiness, go to engaging.works and take the free happiness survey. See you next time.